listening to Music Box, official podcast of London Center for Contemporary Music. We're coming to you with fresh artists, music news, and industry insider info about the music biz and beyond. Hello guys, my name is Bandini, I'm a singer-songwriter from Italy based in London. Um, I play mainly blues and jazz with rock influence, uh, which is a it's quite it's quite a funny thing because like there's so many Italians in London of course like, there's so many people in London but um, there is also so many Ita- like the, the Italian playing blues and I really don't know why um, but as soon as the blues came to Europe we all got mad with that and I grow up with my father playing blues and jazz since I was like cases was like two and it was the only way to make me sleep was make me watch video of Louis Armstrong so there was like no escape for me for, for me from the blues like and the jazz like there was the only way for me like to fall asleep and not like wow all the night um yeah my axis like try to bring together blues jazz gypsy with um theatre. Um, I want to talk about like um, London character, European character and Italian story. I have a song is like it's about like priest and bishop in Italy like, of course it's quite an interesting topic. I just released my first EP it's called Small Room. Well first of all it's three songs. Um, a crazy jazz is the first song I guess. We also like when you will listen, if you're gonna listen to the EP, you will probably spot it that we kind of jam around some few chords and trying to make like some weird line with the saxophone. Um, the second chord, the second song is called like Late Night Show and have definitely New Orleans vibes and talk about Soho in 3.30 in the night where you can see very weird stuff. And the last song is called Alleyway of Freedom and it's more like soul song with like strong influence from Van Morrison I guess um, which is the song that we're gonna play later uh, kind of mellow ballad the name of the EP is More Room funny name very true and then a small room in a big town is something that we all do since we, we, we live our hometown our parents and we start like living abroad um, you're gonna have a small room because it's cheap and because you need to live and you need to enjoy yourself and like if you're not rich you're gonna have some more room and um, well in this song I'm mainly talking about like having this small world in a big world which sometimes is more important like uh, there is a, a huge influence in the lyrics from Charles Bukowski who is one of my favorite writers that he usually have just very small room where he, where he writes used to write and um, and he, in, he, he leave the he leave the room just to go to a drink and then come back and start writing again because he want to write and he want to stay in that small room like that's it you can listen and find everything about me on facebook.com slash bandini music or bandini music.com that would be easier probably now we're gonna listen to Alleyway of Freedom which is the last song of the album and yes yeah, it's kind of so mellow ballad with Bob Morrison influence. Anyway, enjoy the songs and I hopefully I will see you in one of my gigs between this mm, summer, I guess. Yo, bye guys! I'm sitting on the alleyway 
waiting on the alleyway of prison Smoking big cigarettes On the alleyway, on the alleyway of prison I'm sitting on the alleyway of prison Give me five minutes And I'll be composer Esmeralda Conde Ruiz. Her work ranges from film scores, documentaries to sound landscapes and choral work, um, with her most current project being with uh, contemporary artist Peter Liversidge, putting together a choir of 500 voices for the opening of the new Tate Modern Building in June 2016. Hi, how are you? Hi, thanks <laughs> for having me. No, no problem at all. Um, so normally when I start with the interviews it's funny because I would normally sort of go into where they first started with music and their education. Um, and normally they'll say things like, oh yes, I was playing the piano since I was like age three or whatever, but um, you weren't exactly the same. You didn't seem to really like music very much at <laughs> the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, not in school. No. I, I would always really hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated the teachers. I hated all the notations and everything we had to do. I really didn't get along with it. Yeah. Um, Funny enough, I would always go for art. You could always pick uh, either music or art. But um, outside school, I was in a music school and, and learned lots of different instruments and things. And I liked it, but I didn't understand the connection to yeah. the other school. So what, was, what were you doing in that music school in particular? Well, uh, they had a really nice program where you could try all different instruments uh, all mm. through the year. Like, I don't know, three-month violin, three-month drums. Yeah. So all of that thing. And then... Uh, learning different instruments, but I didn't see the point. I was just like, okay, that's what I do. Let's yeah. go here on Tuesdays. Yeah. Sure. Um, so what what changed then for you? Well, a friend of mine said, oh, I really want to try out this choir. Um, and she was too shy to go. Yeah. And I said, okay, let's go. And there was this totally different teacher. He was American. He was so different in enthusiastic and um, full of energy and knowledge. And love of music so he changed my whole approach of everything mm -hmm. and uh, he also noticed that music was something easy to me which I didn't notice that oh that's 
apparently a talent then. Yeah. This is all easy. Okay. So and even like notation and yeah, theory. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. You know, it was all. You know, if if the person is right that teaches you, then it's all really. Yeah, exciting. it just comes naturally. And I he guess. really pushed for it. He really said, "Oh, you need to sign up for theory." And I was like, "What? Why? I don't need this." <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, you do." <laughs> so he he was so funny and cool about it, even though he was so old and white hair. You know, yeah. so it was just like. Um, he really changed my world and he actually made me study music in the end. He, he was the one, he was the voice really mm -hmm. pushing me. I was always like, nah, and he was like, oh yeah, <laughs> you have to prepare, <laughs> come on. And he was really giving me so much homework and he was, he's the one. So, yeah, he, he was a really strong influence for you <laughs> totally, then. Yeah. yeah. And like, what, what would you say about him that you still want to emulate in your own career and when you work with groups today i'm still in touch with him stephen burke um and he's uh he's the most enthusiastic charming um conductor i have ever seen like mm -hmm. he's got the power he, he has the knowledge yeah but he has also the, the human power to make you do it you want to please him mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and that's such, such a good thing because uh, i don't know how he does it so i still um, do repertoire that I learned with him, for instance, or yeah. like choose things that remind me of him, or I don't know, I'm still in touch with him, I just, yeah, I adore him. <laughs> That's really nice, That's really nice. So when, when you were now officially studying music, where, where were you doing it and what kind of things were you doing? Well, I was in Berlin and Hamburg, I was lucky that I could study in both towns, and um, I went for the voice, I thought that was the instrument I I wanted to learn and um, had very different teachers. I studied classical technique and then went to jazz and contemporary music and I, I just didn't fit in anywhere. So okay. I wasn't sure like, oh damn it, what, what's this now? Why do I, why do I not fit in <laughs> There's something wrong with me. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't really understand. I was okay. like a, a little bit like, uh -huh. So that's not the answer to what I was looking for. So again, I was sort of uh, this little strange girl, being able of doing everything, but I didn't li like. I, it didn't give me the boost I was looking for. And yeah. Then, um, I came into uh, songwriting and studio work. So I started as a backing singer and studio singer. Did a lot of oohs and ahs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and. Uh, and I toured a lot and I did all these things, um, but for some reason it didn't thrill me. No. I, I, it wasn't the role I enjoyed at all. You were always the last to know anything. You were always the little doll at the back. Yeah. And I didn't like that because I, I, for some reason I had this um, drive to, to create, to write, to, um, to manage in a way mm. I, I, I didn't but I didn't know at that point what that meant okay so I mean like at, at what point did you find you were thinking yes I'm now doing something that I really want to be doing or I'm excited about doing I mean was that when you were sort of turning more to composition or it took a while I mean in music um, our paths are never so clear which is when you're young, horrible, because <laughs> yeah. you think like, oh, I want, I want, I want something to hold on to. But yeah. actually, you'll never have. Music is such a huge world. So, I felt the happiest in my thirties. So it took forever. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sorry, so guys. Funny. Like in, in school, especially, everyone's like, right, I'm gonna be like session vocalist for the rest of my life. No, then, you won't. Yeah. You won't. No. <laughs> maybe you will. I mean, I, maybe it's my nature. I'm always the one I, I need to, my, yeah, my nature needs or forces me to grow. 
I want to learn more. I want to grow more. And if there, I'm some in some job where there's repetition, I'm bored to death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I could never do a musical. I I could kill myself after a week. Yeah, I, that's not yeah. my thing. If you like repetition, <laughs> that might be your thing. You know, even in the pit or on stage. Yeah. But I need challenges. I need. I want that. I'm hungry for that. So. It took me a long time to understand what I need to be mm -hmm. happy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, like, how did you cope in those years where you were sort of still feeling like a bit lost and confused with what you <laughs> wanted to do? I mean, like, mm. how 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 do you keep saying to yourself, "No, I've, I've got to stick with it," because I know that there's probably something. Well, you don't on. because you're young and you have no idea, and you yeah. suffer, you <laughs> suffer and suffer. But the good thing is, I was really lucky. I had older friends were creative they were not musicians but they were um they knew where i came from and they've been there before mm -hmm. and they gave me always like advice or gave me a book or a film or something to like have a look at this so they were always asking what are you working on yeah and i was like i don't know and they were like well find something you need to work on something you know yeah so they would they would it's good to have a good creative environment around you mm -hmm. even if you have no idea what you're doing and where you're going have some good inspiring people around you yeah, because um, yeah, we've all been there, and it it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like talking with um people around you was that sort of how you started to find work um in the industry. I mean, you're talking about meeting up with artists. And yeah. Like that. So um in Berlin, I I didn't really fit in as I said, and I I really like going out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the best parties I must say were with the contemporary artists. There were always loads, and there were always free drinks and lots of things happening and really great music yeah. so I was always there um, not because of the art to be honest but um, <laughs> for some reason um, I, I branched out to this other industry and then they didn't know any other musician and they suddenly started having ideas for music projects and they didn't know anyone else than me so they would call me yeah or people would start recommending me so I had really huge 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 things with no idea what they were yeah so i i would I, I would be flown out for a performance oh i wouldn't goodness. had i i didn't even check what it, what that gallery was i thought it was a small little shitty gallery where we're playing and it was serpentine gallery you know like <laughs> things like that would happen all the time to because i didn't care much about this industry yeah but it was good because I, I didn't seem needy i was relaxed i was just listening they were asking me can can we do something like that i'm like yeah sure mm -hmm. so it was just like strange and all my other musician friends would be always like what are you doing there I'm like, i don't know but they pay me so i'll do it so, <laughs> so it started a little bit like that mm -hmm. <laughs> really without thinking about it and without knowing what i'm doing there but actually in the end i made myself a really good name and and people still recommend me for really interesting projects and so sometimes it's a bit more when you don't push so much you yeah know, when you just follow the the flow and listen and uh, and and you you kind of enjoy what you're doing without a lot of pressure. Yeah, no, that, that seems really positive. I mean, so when, when you're starting working with like, you know, a client, whether it's like a director or an artist or something, how do you um, first approach, you know, undertaking, like composing something for them? How, how, how do you sort of like communicate with them and find out what they would like and how you're going to interpret that? So, um, yeah, it's very different depending on, because what, what my specialty is, is I'm interdisciplinary, which means I jump from art to architecture to film to 
I don't know, I, I jump around a lot. Yeah. And all these categories um, demand other things. But in general, it's always sitting down with the person, getting to know what they like, and finding a language. Because most of them, they are all very musical, they all have ideas, but they have no idea of music. Mm -hmm. And they can't communicate that, and that's when I come in. So I have to find a way of making them feel comfortable mm -hmm. to, to tell me their idea. Yeah, yeah. And then also uh, finding a way how to make them real. Yeah. Whatever their ideas are, how crazy they are. And the hardest thing is, because I'm obviously a musician, not to get involved. Yeah, not too involved. You, there's a little, yeah, your ego, forget about that. That's, if you want to do your own music, do your own. But if you're working with someone, mm -hmm. it's not about you, never. Yeah. It's about what he or she are thinking about and how you can make this happen. And um, the best advice I could give is, I always try to make the client, make me a mood board. Okay. Not, a, not with pictures, but with songs. Yeah. Okay. So if it's a film, I ask the director can you put together some songs that you heard mm -hmm. that would work for those scenes or if it's an artist I would say like what are you have you ever heard something similar or is there nothing like that or so it's a lot of communication just to find out what they want and then the music actually tells me more than the client okay <laughs> they, they, most of the time have little vocabulary because they've never learned this as well they never you know mm -hmm. they might say to you they want strings but actually what they're saying is they want a melancholy or I don't know then it's you always have to double check and yeah. ask again and is it this and then what I do then later I send a, a rough mock-up I compose something very roughly mm -hmm. and send it to them and then I ask is this more or less what you want so yeah. I, I always tell them it's my skeleton <laughs> yes yeah. a skeleton shall I fill it up shall I build something or mm -hmm. is this more or less where we're going Should I put color in um, and that's they love it they yeah. love the mock-ups because they feel in control and they feel like part of it they want to be part of whatever you're creating mm -hmm. they want to be in there they just don't know how yeah yeah can can you tell us then a little bit about um the project you worked on the short film cusp which was uh, just released last year and very well received um and it was your first score as well which is so yes. funny because you get all this like acclaim from it crazy the whole team couldn't believe it like, yeah we were, yeah i was winning constantly and they were like what the hell is going on we were so happy yeah so many happy parties <laughs> yeah no no so, so, so you said that you um actually made the time to go sit down with the director yeah so um for me, it was really important. I had seen a um, masterclass with Gabriel Jarrett, who I adore. I can only recommend to go to masterclass of heroes of, of yours, whatever field they are. And he said something like, you need to talk first to, to the person. Don't come with music. Talk, 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 talk. And I, th I thought, oh, that's such a good advice. Uh, I'm going to try this. So I sat down with Oliver Warren, the director, and I said, I want a first meeting before you shoot, before you do anything. Mm -hmm. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah, 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 I want this. Let's do this. And we sat down for, I think, two hours, actually. Yeah. And then he talked me through the entire script, all his ideas. I had lots of questions from my side about the character, the mood. The... And then um, I wrote down all the things he was telling me and it helped him as well a lot to be like oh wow now I understand what I'm gonna do <laughs> and then I went home sat at the piano and just wrote some moods at the end they some of them were came actually into the oh, they, they score, survived, but so, yeah. some of them didn't but mm -hmm. the, they were sort of my compass because when they start filming um, 
editing changes, the, the actor might change. I don't know. It's everything changes constantly, but yeah. you have to have some sort of anchor. Um, yeah. No, that's that's really interesting. I mean, so do you find there's a difference between the way you might work with your clients or work with um, the you know instruments or like media that you use when you're doing either scores or doing sound landscapes or do you find the process is quite similar and well i i seem to like different projects and challenges and that's why i put myself into all these different fields mm -hmm. and i think it's every time different yeah it's, uh, the only similarity that there is it's the conversation with with the client whoever yeah. that is yeah and being the translator of their vision Mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. I really have to. Uh, there's, it's so hard to put down what I what I do because it's so different every time I do it. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but I seem to like that a lot, and I love the research part. I love yeah. finding new colors, and you know, one one day I had a I, I made a score just out of bells. Yeah, you know, like really yeah. dark low bells, and you know, but just I never had thought about bells or I don't know, but it was, it, the, the sound needed that. Yeah. So you have to be, uh, if, if you're doing scores or something, sound uh, landscape, you need to be really open to whatever the piece wants, not so much what you logically think. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what is there anything about your work that you find particularly challenging? I mean, maybe even touching on like the more like the business side or like the organizational side of things <laughs> yeah well you always think like oh, all my friends think oh yeah she's like doing all day long music and then she's standing at the window smoking a cigarette yeah. with the creative you know <laughs> no <laughs> so 50% uh, of my work I would say is proper office uh, sits down uh, excel spreadsheets mm -hmm. um, phone calls um, notes what I've talked about when when to call again like really really um, no one ever told me I would be doing that in my life no and I have to it's really in the end it's really um, all you can do is it's a market and you have to find your niche mm -hmm. make yourself uh, visible in that niche and go for it there's yeah. no right or wrong but just find your little corner and then um, keeping in touch with people all the time, all mm -hmm. the time, over all the years. And it is about network, isn't totally, it? Yeah. yeah, totally. My industry, yeah, definitely. But not in an annoying way, you know, like, I like it. It's not like, hello, blah, 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 like, uh, I don't know, the Tesco newsletter or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, I make it very personal. I make every email very personal and that works. Mm -hmm. It's not a copy-paste thing. It's I really care about them and I really want to work with them. Yeah, and they have the feeling as well, and and we—it's a relationship. It's like how much time do you spend with your girlfriend, boyfriend? So that works. So you mm. need to do not the same with your client, but you know you Something have to. Close, yeah. There's a there's a relationship you want to build up and trust, and you know, and the more they trust you, the bigger the projects go, and mm. so it's uh, you need to care for them in a, in a in a good way. Yeah, no, that's really <laughs> nice. I mean, you you also work a lot with choirs. Um, you co-founded. Or a market choir, and you're working with them at the moment, um, and you've worked as a musical director for other choirs. Um, what is it about working with the voice that attracts you in particular? Well, I think because it's the, the instrument that I started with, I think there's so much uniqueness in it and beauty, and there's so much undiscovered yet that I want to work on. And with choirs in particular, they can create this incredible sound in two seconds. 
mm-hmm. just to make them hum and it sounds like wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like I don't know. It, but I I think it's also taste. Other people would go for another instrument. It's just really personal. It's mm-hmm. for me mm-hmm. the human voice is that most interesting instrument I could ever work with and um, I never get bored of it. I really like the the score studying. I enjoy it so much. Like I, I just the nerdy part sitting at home but then going in there and being very human mm-hmm. and spending time with them and energizing the choirs and getting the same energy out of it it's like playing a huge organ it's very physical yeah very physical when you conduct it um i mean like you, you you do manage a huge amount of people i mean i i saw it firsthand <laughs> in the tape rehearsals um what do you think is key to taking command as a conductor a musical director especially of such a large number of people well, <laughs> uh, key is preparation again, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the rehearsal goes as well as you prepared. You yeah. spend more time preparing it than actually doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's really key. It's down to how, how, how much you know what you want and how much you know your players as well. It's a little yeah. bit like a um, football coach. <laughs> You know, so preparing someone for a match. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Obviously, with a 500 group, it's different. It's way more uh, physical. I'm starving afterwards. I'm so hungry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, the details are really hard. You know, if uh, especially for Tate, Tate Modern was really keen to have community choirs or like not only professional mm-hmm. singers like you guys. Um, but they really wanted community sound. Sure. And I'm really interested in that sound because it's not the perfect it's not polished uh, polished one and um, obviously art comes in there and then you can do really beautiful things um, so yeah that's that's a huge challenge and to make 500 people sound good with yeah. very different challenges like mm. some are blind some are elderly some uh, refugees we have a refugee choir we have yeah. a, so it's really like all broad uh, some can read sheet music some can't uh, you know, it's really difficult to, yeah. to make them all sound like one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it is rewarding when it all comes together in the end, obviously. Yeah, it's yeah. like, again, so I play a huge organ with choirs, but that's the biggest organ I've ever played. You yes. Know, um, as a musician, it's fun. You know, in the end, when the end performance finally comes, you're just like, you're like a lion. You go on there and like, yeah, give me some food. <laughs> so, you, yeah, you need a, if you don't enjoy what you're doing, especially in music, there's something wrong. You yeah. shouldn't do it. Then. Yeah, yeah. Because it's more soul destroying in that way than, you know, you need to really look after yourself. And I, I love it. I just, yeah. Yeah, no, I, t- I totally agree. Um, it was really interesting to hear actually about the choral work you did with the Tierra Nueva mm-hmm. Foundation in Ecuador. Um, can you tell us how you managed to get a plane ticket out to Ecuador? <laughs> 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 yeah, that was quite an expensive plane ticket as well. Um, well, I approached them, I just emailed them, cold, cold email, they didn't know me at all, mm-hmm. and I said, um, listen, <laughs> I've done all this amazing work in the UK. Um, <laughs> How about you pay me the flight and I come over for a month and I do all for free for a whole month, as much as you want. Um, I could do morning teaching, evening teaching, workshops, whatever you like in Coral. Um, and all I want is a plane ticket. And they mm-hmm. said yes. And uh, <laughs> so we created a whole program for a whole month uh, for young MDs who want to learn how to run a choir, yeah. or, uh, put together a choir, or, or people who've already run in choirs. 
um, with a support system that I'll be their mentor and teach them. And then we created um, teenage choirs, child working choir, and then in the end we did a huge concert. And some of those children have never been to a concert. And wow. it was just like, I had to really be careful. I'm not crying all the time. It was the most moving thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. Because yeah. you, you're so spoiled. We're so spoiled in London. We have everything. You know, everything. Everything we can think of. And we don't even know it is. And they have nothing there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they just, they told, yeah, it was just amazing. I can just recommend doing things like that out of the box. Because it's worth it. It made, it, it made me understand so much why I love the choral thing as well mm -hmm. it was just, yeah it was yeah i came back like so happy oh <laughs> that's lovely yeah um i mean starting to get involved in the tape project can you help um let us know sort of how you managed to get involved in this as well <laughs> yeah it was again networking i guess so cynthia uh, griffin the curator uh we were in touch for a few years we were always like emailing saying oh I'm doing this and she's doing this and like but yeah we kept we kept in touch and uh, one day she dropped me an email saying like oh we're thinking of doing this what do you think and I was like yeah uh, and I could run this whole thing she yeah. was like what do you mean and I was like well some someone has to run all of this so you were initially approached just to sort of co-write the pieces or no I didn't um that was the hardest point I was yeah. like no I'm not gonna no that's Peter Peter Liversich has to do it by mm -hmm. himself. Whatever comes out of him is his work. What I am there is to support him as a music director. Like I'm gonna oversee everything yeah. and just support him. And it was really interesting. I spent so many hours with him in his studio studying his work to understand what he's doing and then also helping him to translate that um, into, into the choral piece. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it really sounds like sounds like um, his work as yeah well. yeah so um, yeah and then uh, no I, I what I said to them is you need someone who plays that organ yeah yeah <laughs> Peter can write it but I you need someone who conducts it and also the production part they yeah. take modern didn't know how to run a choral huge mass scale mm. production mm -hmm. so I scheduled the whole production with them together and um, it was amazing. It was such fun, but also like challenging, you know, yeah. for a turbine hall has never had something like that. And sound wise, it's a whole different space. You know, it's seven seconds delay. Gosh, yeah. so I mean, like, like, how, how did you even sort of, you know, go about working with the space and taking that into consideration when you were, you know, creating the pieces or... Yeah, so Peter wrote the pieces uh, out of interviews with people so people who work at Tate people who live around Tate and we spend a lot of time in Turbine Hall and he spent huge amount of time like just running around the building and yelling listening. <laughs> yeah listening to escalators or things yeah, yeah people who thought that weirdo there but yeah he was doing <laughs> his sort of work and um, we I, I put together sort of guinea pig sessions I called them I got smaller choirs for him together so we could just test the sound mm -hmm. So we did that in December and January and February, just going bigger and bigger and bigger just to see, because uh, you really need to work with a seven second delay. It's such a different thing. The yeah. church has two seconds delay, which makes everyone sound fabulous. Seven seconds is just like a huge, uh, I don't know, it's really different. Um, yeah. But yeah, we had those tests, which really worked. 
and they were really interesting for Tate and mm. for Peter. Mm. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So I mean, the Tate thing will be finished soon. Have you got any more projects on your horizon that are coming up? You're excited to work on? Yeah, it's never ending. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I wish I could say no. I'm going no. to the Bahamas. Going on holiday. Months, but no, it's like unfortunately, it's Murphy's law. When you're really busy, you're really busy. Yeah. And when you're not busy, you're not busy at all. So mm. I'm really busy right now. It's um. Um, Peter is my best client at the moment. He just won't stop doing work with me. Yeah. So we're doing a project at the barbecue with Niels Fram, which mm. is really exciting. Mm -hmm. um, which is straight after. So we're already in rehearsals, yeah, actually. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then there's um, a wonderful Japanese director that I'm currently working with, and we we're thinking of doing a score for his next film. So it's all like there's lots of little projects all uh, yeah. going very big <laughs> yeah yeah it, it, it sounds super exciting and i mean like the trajectory you're on i'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more from you in the future and the stuff you're doing um anyway so thank you for taking the time pleasure to come and chat to you it was, it was so interesting and it's always so informative and stuff speaking to people in these interviews um yeah and good luck with everything thank you thank you very much for having me you're welcome Jingles are by Jean-Pierre Volksman and Alex Murphy. Music Box was created by Julia Grasping, Judith Nuzaki, Olivia Rafferty, Yaka Skapin, and Stefan Sikora for London Centre of Contemporary Music. Until next time. Until next time.